Hello and welcome to another bubble, the Western bubble. My name is Dario and I'm here with Balder. If you don't know who we are, please listen to our regular episodes as this is one of our extra episodes where we pick items from the news that scream Western bubble. In these segments, we give some quick comments on how we interpret these events. However, before we start with today's extra episode, we would like to issue our apologies for the lack of an episode last week. Both of us were traveling and we did not manage to uh, record and upload an episode for last week. However, do not worry, um, you're getting the extra episode today and then tomorrow you will be getting uh, the regular episode from last week. And we will be talking about symptoms of Western decay, analyzing a few more practical examples uh, of the decay of the West. When it comes to today's extra episode, we will talk about the Western reaction to the Wagner group uh, marching towards Moscow. But, Walder, why are we talking about this? Because it was really just the Wagner group marching towards Moscow, and within 24 hours, everything was over. Hello, Dario. Well, yes, so that in itself is already an interesting event, and there's nothing wrong, obviously, with observing that event, writing about that event, uh, analyzing what is happening. However, what you saw in those 24 hours, and maybe 36 or 48 hours surrounding it, was exactly this kind of Western bubble mentality. Certainly on social media, it, people were very much hyped up. People thought that this was the end of the uh, Putin regime. People were uh, looking at um, how Ukraine could now win the war all of a sudden. So there was this enormous rise in expectations and um, no serious analysis, no serious underlying thinking or reporting on, on what um, actually was going on and how it would affect the world, on social media at least. And so this was a very good example of a Western bubble where people were way too much obsessed with their own games rather than looking at reality. And to summarize quickly what happened for the ones who maybe are not aware of this, so the Wagner Mercenary Group is a Russian mercenary group controlled by businessman uh, Prishogin, whom, by the way, was built up by Putin, uh, who at first was a, a caterer who has a catering company um, and was built up by Putin and has since created the Wagner Group, which is a globally operating mercenary group. There are talks that... They are under the influence of the Kremlin. There are talks that they are not so much under the influence of, Krem of the Kremlin. However, they are Russian, uh, Russia associated. And they've also been fighting in Ukraine alongside the Russian army. And for the past few months, there have been a lot of well, verbal disputes between Prishogin, the leader of this group, and the Russian Ministry of Defense, uh, between who gets the ammunition, who gets soldiers, uh, about the tactics of the Russian Ministry of Defense. And that then culminated in... Uh, over over the over the weekend, basically uh, in in Pushogin and twenty five thousand mercenaries uh, moving from Ukraine into Russia, uh, taking control of a strategic city and then moving towards Moscow, uh, before the uh, president of Belarus, Lukashenko, then negotiated some form of agreement. There's not a lot of, not a lot of information about this agreement, where the Wagner Group stopped their march towards Moscow, and now Pushogin is going to Belarus, and Putin is staying within Russia. Um, so now let's start talking about the Western reaction to this, because we are now experts in Russia. There's plenty of people who are giving expertise, if you can call it that, uh, on what happened there. But uh, we are the Western bubble, so we will talk about the Western reaction. And starting with Western governments, 
um, which I personally was positively surprised about how quiet Western governments were during these 24 hours and also in the in, in the days since. They're, they're, they basically were commenting it's a bit of an internal matter, but mostly staying quiet. Yes, well, the events also went very quickly, right? It would have been interesting to see what had happened if this had gone on for another two or three days. But the fact that that gives them already a gold star, the fact that Western governments didn't go all gung-ho with respect to these events, says something about how far we have fallen in our expectations, right? It says something about how we are now so used to Western governments just jumping on any opportunity to go against Putin, to go against Moscow, to take a position in these situations, to actually try to manipulate um, events according to their own agenda, which is not at all how governments should behave. We live in a Westphalian world, and if something happens in another country, domestically, then that is none of your business, and you stay out, should stay out of that. And the fact that we give them credit for doing exactly that is probably quite a bad sign of about where we are in 2023. Because the best answer, or the best response, just came from Turkish President Erdogan, who said... Um, this is an internal matter, but I will only talk to the legitimate United Nations recognized government on, of Russia and to the president, and that is uh, Vladimir Putin. To which I then saw commentary in the news of, oh, why is this man even in NATO? You know, the fact that Erdogan is only talking to the UN recognized leader of Russia is already a betrayal to NATO. How dare um, he? How dare he um, recognize what the whole world recognizes, namely that Putin is the Westphalian spokesperson for Russia? Yeah. And I mean, so, so this was the public reaction by Western governments. Uh, there was also then very quickly, uh, especially in the United States, this happens very quickly, that the media gets a hunch of how long has, has the United States government known about this? And apparently uh, the CIA has known about uh, Shogin's plans to march on Moscow for a few days already. And there were already contingency plans and you know talks about how do we move forward from here, which has this undertone of how can the West benefit from this strategic game. Yeah, th this is something that we really have to stop doing in the West. This idea that we can manipulate affairs in other countries to suit our own interest. And that it is not just practical, but that it is also moral to do so. Is of course belied by um, everything we've seen over the past 50 years. This idea that the United States can just say, okay, how can we now jump on this... Um, to strengthen our own position or to help Ukraine. No, these are internal matters within Russia. You need to stay out of it. It's none of your business. You can't normalize messing with other people's affairs. And this is something where the West is really losing ground with respect to China, because China understands that China does not play this game of messing all the time with domestic affairs of other countries, and yet the West is so used to it, so addicted to continuously trying to pull strings, to continuously to choose winners and losers, continuously to push certain politicians in a certain direction, that we have completely lost the plot in that regard. And we are hurting ourselves and we're hurting the world by doing that. The official reaction of the Chinese government in a rather annoyed way, I think I can I can interpret it in that, simply said it's an internal matter, leave us alone. Um, 
That, that was the reaction. And that's exactly what it is. Of course, it has certain implications. Most importantly, it has implications for the war in Ukraine. Obviously, if soldiers from the Wagner group all of a sudden turn towards Moscow, then that is going to have an impact on the battlefield. But the, there is nothing that requires uh, Brussels or Washington or Berlin or Paris to have an opinion on these affairs in Russia. There's nothing that requires them to do anything. Just observe what happens. Stay out of it. It is none of your business. And and be prepared for the outfall of this. And and when we're talking about this, it's I mean, there was talk, you know, a lot of articles written, a civil wars starting in Russia. And in case this happens, in case you actually have 25,000 Wagner troops uh, fighting against the Russian army, which is a bit of an unfair fight, but you will have immediate flows of refugees. So you, you can be prepared for that. You can have your strategy of what's happening to this, um, what happens if maybe Prishogin gets the hands of, on, 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 on the nuclear weapons. You know, all of these things, you can be prepared for scenarios, but not necessarily play an active role in how can we benefit from this. Of course, absolutely. Contingency plans are, are what governments need to have. They, they, they need to be prepared for all kinds of scenarios. And that is all the more reason to stay out of it because the moment that you become involved in issues, then you actually limit your options to react to it afterwards, right? Because you become part of the problem. And you, in the in the introduction, you rightfully pointed out that we're not experts on Russia and we're not going to analyze internal Russian dynamics. Uh, I would argue that we're probably more informed than the average person when it comes to Russia, uh, in the, at least in the West, Western person. And we were very confused. At least I was very confused by these events. Uh, I, I read them. I wasn't sure what was happening. And I think people still don't know exactly what was happening, what the relation was between Prezhogin and uh, Putin, what the events were that led to this specifically. So if you, as someone who is relatively knowledgeable, are very confused about it, then it is horrifying to see all these people straight away jumping on the bandwagon, jumping on Twitter, jumping on social media, and trying to somehow predict what's going to happen, trying to say, oh, now the United States needs to take this step, or Britain needs to take that step. No, stay out of it, don't have an opinion, just wait until things unfold, unfold in the way that they do. It's none of your business, stay away. Because we very much saw this on, on Twitter. And I know that the number one advice to dealing with Twitter is stay away from it. Um, however, it is a rather useful tool, especially on these quick developments to keep uh, to keep up with uh, simply developments on the ground. However, there were, as the listeners will know, there were a, a, so many people who gave their opinions uh, about, about parts. And there's two examples that we picked, uh, which we would like to, to comment on. Uh, the first one is from Dmitry Nabokov, who is a uh, well, who's who's basically writing in German, and he very quickly put up a poll: Who are you supporting? Who are you in favor of? And then he put the three options: Prishogin, Putin, and neutral. And the result of this was that thirty-six, thirty-four uh, percent were in favor of Prishogin, three percent were in favor of Putin, and sixty-three percent luckily were neutral. However, the fact that you're asking the general public at all. And then the fact that the general public answers like this um, is, is a bit scary because Prishogin is not necessarily a better version of Putin that might be friendlier to Ukraine. If anything, that you can make the case that he is more extreme and more hawkish. 
it's a sad indictment of our times that that people are willing to vote on something like this again as if it's some kind of game as if you as as if your opinion matters as if you add value to the world by clicking on something like this such a complex situation that has nothing to do with your country that has nothing to do with your reality the we live in a world where more and more these events get influenced by popular opinion and the last thing you want is popular opinion to be part of these events because popular opinion is not a good guide to a proper solution right and yeah exactly as you said the idea that so many people think that Prigozhin is the good guy of course they they don't what they really are saying is we want Russia to burn we want Russia to collapse it's not so much that they know anything about Prigozhin or that they think that he is better than Putin but it is more that hey if he wins then that means that's bad for Russia and that's going to be good for Ukraine and it's going to be good for NATO somehow well be careful what you wish for you have no idea what you're actually dealing with here And then the second tweet is by Ed Krasenstein, or Krasenstein, uh, since he's American, who is an entrepreneur, journalist, editor, and voice actor, also known for his large social media presence and fight against injustice. And he said, uh, and I quote, If Putin and the Kremlin falls, Ukraine prevails, and political prisoners like, La like Navalny are freed. Will all of the people who were against sending money to Ukraine change their tune? Defeating Putin as he tried to take over an ally without sending U.S. troops or losing a single U.S. life would likely go down in history as one of the best military strategies in American history. Will people admit that or just continue to attack Biden and continue to make outlandish claims that the U.S. is somehow involved in a money laundering scheme? End quote. Uh, I mean, apart from the fact that he is, uh, well, his profession is what I read out earlier, this is a bunch, just a bunch of nonsense. It's, well, it's, it's fascinating because it, not only is there the weird assumption showing that people have no idea what they're talking about, that if somehow Putin falls, that Navalny will be freed. You've got no idea what you're talking about here. Navalny is more likely to be shot if, uh, if, if, if Putin is, uh, is thrown out of the Kremlin because the people replacing Putin will not be liberal, democratic Uh, free thinkers like Navalny. This is exactly the problem with our attitudes towards these things, right? We seem to think that the only thing stopping Russia from being a vibrant Switzerland is Putin. It's not. There are deep underlying dynamics that could actually be much more dangerous than Putin, first of all. But secondly, the tone of, okay, now it's done. Um, so basically, if Putin and Kremlin falls, what kind of we know that this is going to happen now because civil war has broken out in Russia? Um, are you finally, all you people who were critical of, mil of militarizing um, uh, Ukraine, um, are you finally going to admit that you were wrong? Are you finally going to admit this and that? It is a tone of deterministic liberal bubble thinking that is not just silly it is also incredibly dangerous it is one in which these people seem to imply that there is one clear truth they understand it they've got a grasp on it and everyone else has to get on board it's yeah again and uh, there's a million people following this man um and, so. and this is and and so the fact that we may be still reading standard newspapers that sometimes do a better job 
doesn't really matter in a world where more and more people are completely reliant on these kinds of tweets, are reliant on on at Krasenstein for their information, and they get and people get really pumped up. They feel this this excitement about oh civil war in Russia, oh the Putin regime is gonna fall, without actually having any serious understanding on these matters. Well, then let's talk about this media, uh, these traditional outlets. Um, and here we really just Googled um, Wagner Group, Russia coup, um, and, and looked at some of the results. And they are really telling of the Western bubble, um, especially in the Western media. So the first one is from the New York Post uh, from June 24th. And the title reads, Wagner Group's coup was short-lived, but the end is near for Putin. This very much reminds me of the extra episode we recorded on uh, on China on the protests against COVID when the media had the exact same reaction. Giddying with excitement, there are a few hundred people protesting against COVID rules. The end of Xi Jinping is near. Yeah, and, and in this case, uh, very much like the China case, uh, it, it once again displays a kind of willful ignorance, right? The I am not going to make any predictions about Russia because, again, it's not my area of expertise. But there is a very strong case to be made um, that this, at least in the short term, solidified the relationship between the Ministry of Defense in Russia and Putin, which would mean that at least in the short and medium term, there there will be some kind of stability there. Why is that? Because uh, right now, neither the Ministry of Defense nor Putin can afford to lose the other side. So they have to work together with the, in this, right? Uh, I'm not saying that that is, um, you know, a serious analysis. Again, for that, we have to listen to experts. But the underlying assumption of these kinds of media, that this somehow now means that Putin is going to fall, has much more to do with our desires, with what we want to happen, rather than what we actually observe in the on the ground. And the danger of that is that when we tell ourselves this narrative that Putin is now deeply weakened and about to collapse or his regime is about to collapse, then the next step will be that we are going to push our governments or our authorities or intelligence agencies to make that happen with all the negative consequences that that might entail, making Putin more paranoid, etc., etc. Which is something that was very much echoed uh, by The Atlantic and Anne Applebaum, which hits, which hits deep for me because I'm a big fan of The Atlantic usually. But they uh, published an article um, also on the 24th of June um, titled, Russia slides into civil war. Is Putin facing his Tsar Nicholas II moment? I'm sorry, but Russia is not in a civil war. Obviously, there is no civil war. And this was also at the time. So the, the word civil war f- was dropped a lot during those 24 hours. Um, I, I was in Rome and I wasn't really following the news, but I was very confused by all of this because it's so obvious that the Wagner Group can't start a civil war by itself. Anyone who knows anything understands that about Russia. Um, so my, I, I even sent you a message. Uh, I said, Dario, are, is, am I missing something? Are generals joining or is, is, is there some kind of um, coalition against Putin? Because if this is just the Wagner Group, this is not going to get anywhere, obviously. And yet people just jumped on this with this gaming perspective, like, oh, this is a game. And finally, the evil guy is going to be beaten. Finally, we can beat the boss. Thank you, Wagner. Let's go for this. It, 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 it displays more emotions than actually knowledge about these issues. 
which is exactly what the third uh, article said, though we want to highlight. It was um, published in Politico, in the magazine, under the foreign policy section, on June 25th. And uh, it reads, the US needs a diplomatic blitz to fill the power vacuum the Wagner Group leaves behind. The instability in Russia is going to reverberate around the world, and the United States could benefit. This is this is exactly you know seeing it and treating it as the game we just described of how can we weaken Russia and continue to spread U.S. influence or Western exactly. influence. Exactly, this idea of a chess game, and you have to make the right moves, and if you make a mistake, you'll be punished for it. But here you've got an opportunity, uh, move in now, and and you're gonna benefit later completely disregarding the fact that over the past decades, this has led to disaster for the West over and over again, trying to meddle with these situations, trying to be proactive has not worked. Be prepared for scenarios, as you mentioned previously, be prepared for disaster because disaster can strike. Be prepared for uh, future opportunities if they actually arise, but do not try to jump the gun. Do not go faster than the events that are unfolding. Don't try to become a part of these events because then you are on the wrong side of history. And it seems that China understands this and the West clearly, clearly doesn't. I mean, in this regard, I do have to um, kind of compliment the newspaper that I like to read uh, the most, which is the German Frankfurter Allgemeine Zeitung. And I must say, they did rather well covering this entire event. So you, of course, you had the live ticker with all the updates, which were mostly factual and things about uh, and what things were happening. You had your articles analyzing who's Brishogin and what does this, and so basically Putin created his own monster here. Um, there wasn't any giddying of excitement. There was even very clearly, they very clearly said, well, let's be honest, Prishogin is, is if we have to choose between Prishogin and Putin, the West can predict the behavior of Putin better than one of Prishogin. And then the, the day after this happened, and this is where I, I was really happy, they started looking beyond and what are the scenarios that we're now facing. Um, and when I, I read this out or in, in the introduction, um, I talked about this, how the Wagner Group is active uh, worldwide and they're very active in Mali and in Libya. And so here, my newspaper published an article uh, asking, well, what are the implications of the Wagner Group and its leader being in a bit of a vacuum? What are the implications for, for Mali and, and Libya here? And I think that's exactly what you want to do is you don't want to have any speculations about what's happening in Russia, but there is a very clear event, there's a vacuum uh, regarding uh, the mercenary group. The mercenary group is important for stability uh, in Libya and Mali, at least for the for the governments there, and what will happen now. Exactly, and, and that's something that is important analysis, again, to have to be prepared for different scenarios that are happening. You, you mentioned those two countries, but there's also the Central African Republic. There are lots of rumors about other... Um, other countries being affected. And this is important to understand that by having a mercenary force, Russia can do things that they could never do with their regular forces, with the Ministry of Defense. And so this is going to have significant impact on Russian foreign policy in those countries and domestic realities in those countries. And that is something that is worth talking about, worth analyzing, see how this unfolds. Yet everyone is so giddy with excitement, so obsessed with getting rid of Putin, that the actual realities pass by, um, except for some 
newspapers that are nowhere near as popular anymore as uh, they used to be, obviously, and are being replaced by the hype of social media. This is it with today's extra episode. As in addition to our regular ones, uh, we will be grateful for your feedback to this format and questions that you can submit to the westernbubble at gmail.com. Next Wednesday, so tomorrow, there will be a new regular episode, this time on the topic of symptoms of Western decay.